Welcome to the LifeCast. We hope that you find this ministry of New Life Assembly of God as an encouragement to you. You will hear messages and lessons in God's Word by our staff and special guests. Enjoy the podcast. Well, smile at a few people as you're being seated. Worship team, thank you so much. And uh, I'll tell you what... um, Holy Spirit knit some wonderful things together for us on this Sunday. When we look at the songs that he directed Felicia to choose, the the message that I feel he directed me to to bring to you and I, um, and watched how that weaved together this morning in the first service. And if you consider and remember throughout this morning the choruses we just sang and how they dovetail beautifully as a message to us um, from God's Word today. So I want you to listen to this. In, in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that all things, and He was always present, and that all things that were made were made through Him. And nothing that has been made has been made without Him. That's the kind of power the, that the, uh, the Lord our God, the living God, has. I want you to catch this. In the very beginning, in the beginning, right? And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, he is cre- he's in creation mode. There's nothing to work with. And he speaks. And now something exists. Light. He spoke it into existence. It goes on and he creates the heaven and the earth and an expanse between them. He speaks and let there be vegetation. And there was vegetation. I love this area where we live. I'll tell you what, come spring and summer, there are so many different shades of green here. I still, there there are times still that I pause, whether I'm I'm, I'm driving down the highway, I'm driving through town, I'm at my home, I look over the the county farm that's next to us and, and see the ridges, and I just, I do, I still, I just tell him, you have made everything so perfect. I mean, I, I don't know whether you believe in global warming or not, but um, I'm just telling you, he takes care of the earth. And we also know the end of the story, that, you know, this creation he's made, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be gone one day. And there's a new heaven and a new earth that he brings. But in the meantime, he's, he's just made everything so perfect. And I just still have moments of, of awe and appreciation about it. I don't know if that makes me old or it just makes me wise. Probably a little bit of both. <laughs> and then he comes to the point where in the expanse, he says, I want there to be lights. And he puts the stars and heavenly bodies and places. And now there's a distinction between day and, and night. I don't think he's affected by daylight savings time, you and I. I mean, you know, day with the Lord is like a thousand years, a thousand years is one day, and I don't think he's worried about, oh no, they're going to lose an hour of sleep, and he's just all worried about it. He He's the ancient of days, eternity past into eternity future. I don't think he's worried about it, bothered by it. You and I might live with the nuisance of it in spring and the joy of it in the fall. Extra hour. I don't know if there's extra hours or less hours. I think we're just, you know... He has all the hours in his hand of our life, yours and mine. And so here he is, he's speaking these things into existence. He says, uh, 
living creatures. And all of a sudden, the, the sky and the land and the seas, got all these living creatures. I don't know. I, you imagine that kind of power to speak things into existence? I mean, you know, he has, there was nothing to work with and he created. You and I, I'll just tell you, we don't create. We might use the word, but we take things that exist and then do something with them, what we call, and then we created this or we made this or we recreate or we recreate something is what we do. He just speaks things into existence. That is the God who has reached to your heart and mine. That kind of power, that authority that he can speak and it exists. I mean, I would love that. I would love to have a couple summers ago just said, let there be a deck on my house. And it just, you know, let there be pie. Let there be more pie. Let me be skinny. You know, I, I would love, I mean, you know, right? Let there be no problem. <laughs> you know, it, he has that kind of authority and power that he speaks things and it happens. It manifests. This is your father. This is the God of heaven who is for you, not against you. Oh, he's against some things in my life and your life that we do or we've done, but he's for us. And you and I might have a hard time grasping that dichotomy and that difference, but, but he is for you. He's not against you. We may do some things that invite conflict or attack or that cause sometimes his blessings to stand at a distance, but don't kid yourself. He is for you. He loves you. I, don't, I, I know that that term has been used and overused and probably done with, you know, such a familiarity that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know when the last time you heard somebody tell you that God loves you. I want you to tell a couple people around you. I want you to look at them and see. I want you to know that God loves you. Come on, do it. Yes, even if it's your sister. You might want to say it like, well, God loves you. You know, however it's fitting, but just assure them, listen, God loves you. You may have had a terrible week. Maybe you had a bad evening last evening. Maybe you just messed up this morning somewhere. It doesn't remove his love from you. Loves you. Why do you think he created all this? For you to enjoy it. That I would pause from time to time and say, you know, you made everything perfect. Then he takes from the dust of the earth and makes man. But there is no life in this man. The scripture says until God breathed his breath into man's nostrils and he awakened. There was life in him because of the living breath of God, because God is life. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. It's the Holy Spirit, the spirit of life. This is our Father who is for you. I want you to consider these things. We're gonna, I'm going to pick up some, pick some random things through, throughout the book today to remind us of who he is, what he's done how he deals with humanity, the power and authority that he has, the compassion that he has. Creates man in his image. In other words, man with a spirit, because God is spirit. He created you with a spirit, that your spirit, his spirit can communicate with you. You can have fellowship with God. You have relationship with him. 
Like a real one, a living one. Not just a, well, I guess God's out there somewhere. But a living one. What a difference it makes in life. Bible, you scroll through and you, you look at things like Sodom and Gomorrah. They were immoral towns and all types of immorality in every area, not just sexuality, but in all areas. God was going to destroy these. And, of course, Abraham's involved in talking with God. and He destroys these cities by bringing down rain. But the rain wasn't water. It was sulfur and fire. That God could rain sulfur and fire to destroy cities and yet have compassion and save a remnant. What power? I mean, I've seen rain and I've seen snow, sleet, hail, precipitation of different sorts, but never fire coming down like rain or sulfur coming down like rain. On this journey from out of Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham and Lot and their families and who were with them, they were told, don't look back. Lot's wife couldn't resist. She looked back, and she turns to a pillar of salt. She looks back, and boom, a pillar of salt. I mean, who can do that? Only God. Abraham and Sarah, she's barren. And yet she gives birth now. She conceives Isaac, and she gives birth at 90 or 91 years old. Yes. <laughs> I heard a bunch of women go, oh. One, I heard one say, oh, man. Well, yeah, it was his fault probably. Listen, 90, 91 years old, giving birth. I don't care that it's Bible times and some people lived a little older. Listen, it's 90, 91 years old. She's not supposed to conceive and give birth at that age. What power, what purpose, what miracle. Only God can do that. You look at God's people who are slaves in Egypt. And you look at the ten plagues that come to continue to, you know, wear on Pharaoh and embitter his heart to finally release God's people from slavery. By the way, it's coming up to Good Friday and Easter soon. The Ten Commandments will probably be on TV. Those of you who have never watched it, you'll want to do that. If you want to go to heaven. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you got to watch it. It doesn't mean everything in it is true, but boy, it sure gives you a nice little panoramic view of what went on. It visualizes a few things. Of course, you know, not that they're, it was done exact, but it gives you the idea. Those of you who have confessed in the past in the sanctuary that you've not watched it, I had one this morning, I glanced and she said, I've seen it, it's off my list. I said, yeah, but you're not really a Christian until you see it twice. No, I'm kidding you. Listen, you look at the ten plagues, miracle, the, the, how God did those things. But I'll tell you what I find is a real miracle in that. It was before the plague showed up. It was that his people had been crying out in slavery for a, a savior to come, a redeemer to come, a deliverer to come. What amazes me is that the God of all creation was kind enough to hear their cries of deliver us. That this God of all that power 
that he cares about the cries of humanity. He cares about your cry. Your cry in the night. When you're in the, your vehicle and parked in the middle of a big parking lot and you're having your breakdown and your hands are pounding the steering wheel. Or you're in the garage sobbing. Or excuse yourself from a gathering to go to a bathroom or some place because things are just getting to be too much. I want you to know that he hears your cry. He opened the Red Sea for them. And then he closed it at the right time. While God's people were being pursued by the Egyptians, he closed the sea at the right time. He knows timing. He sees what we cannot see, do not see. It's interesting that he, God leads them on this wilderness. And of course, some of this got, you know, uh, delayed and longer because his people complained and murmured and griped. But then he leads them to a place where there's no food. <laughs> All because he can bring manna for them to eat every day. Or he can bring quail in on the wind for them to gather up like eggs. That they go to a place where there's no water. And God can have a rock give water for them to be nourished. I don't mean water came from some creek, river, drainage over rocks that it came out of a rock to water them. You see, this is God. Joshua. <laughs> He's leading God's people and they get to Jericho. And here's the great military plan to take over Jericho. is to march around the city. And on the seventh day, march around seven times. Then have all the priests blow on the trumpet. And for the people to shout to God. And the walls come crumbling down. That's the military plan. But God. But it was God's plan. And he did this for them. He had a promise for them. He gave them directions and they obeyed so that they could step into a place, a state where they could be blessed by their obedience. That God could do something like that. It wasn't the sound of the trumpet. It wasn't the voice of the people. It was the obedience to God and then the power of God to do the impossible. Like the choruses we sang today. You go to judges and whether you have an appreciation for Samson or not or you look at his sin or his unholiness and yet you look at God anointing him and helping him. I mean for a man to be anointed and empowered by God because there's no physical human way it could happen that he would take the jawbone of a donkey and he would take this and he would kill and slay about a thousand soldiers. You look at Elijah, let's just look at 1 Kings 18, the Mount Carmel showdown, telling the people, you better choose who you're going to serve. You better decide. You prophets and priests of Baal, it's a showdown. The God who answers by fire, that's the living God. 
And he lets them go through all their antic over the sacrifice and nothing happens. And Elijah, he calls and it's his turn to call upon God. And he has the, the altar and the sacrifice soaked, drenched. I mean, do you think God was worrying? Oh, gee, now he's, Elijah's getting a little out there, a little arrogant. and I don't know, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, he soaked everything. It's wet. Think God's worrying about this? He answers by fire. And the water's consumed, and the altar's consumed, and the sacrifice is consumed. It's all, it's licked up. That's the God. That's our Father. That's your Savior. That's the Holy Spirit who contends with you and lives within you. You go to 2 Kings and you look at Elijah's successor, Elisha, and Elisha shows up where there's a woman who, the boy was basically a miracle, but the boy dies. And it's up in Elisha's room where he would stay. The body's there. And he goes in and closes the door and seeks the Lord and lays across the top of this body. And the boy comes back to life. A God who raises the dead, brings them back, whole, healed, with memory, jumping back into life where they were at. That's the God who's called you. You look at the prophets. or Let's look in the book of Daniel. There's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they would not bow their knee except to God. And so they were seized. And they were put into a fiery furnace. And they jacked up the heat to burn beyond what it did on a normal day. And they put them in. And as they look, there's a fourth person who's walking in the fire of that furnace. They come out. They're alive, they're not burned, they're not singed, and they're closed in the smell of smoke. That's your father. Daniel chapter 6. Daniel, people scheming against him, and they heard him praying to God which there was an edict put out by the king that anyone who prays to anyone else shall be killed. They seize Daniel and take and put him in a lion's den with man-eating lions. The next morning, the king calls to Daniel, and Daniel answers. Man-eating lions' mouths were closed. Who can do that? Your father. Your master, Jesus. The Holy Spirit. Look in the New Testament. Jesus and disciples show up and they visit and it's where Peter's mother is there and she is bedridden. She's so sick and stricken with this extreme fever. And Jesus comes. And rebukes the fever. She immediately gets up and begins to wait on them. She's, she's all better. Just in time. Meal time. See? Jesus, the deaf hear, the mute speak. He heals people who were even blind from birth. He heals a paralytic by a pool, a man who cannot maneuver himself. And Jesus heals him and tells him to go with instructions to say, don't sin anymore so something worse doesn't happen to you. 
Look at the centurion soldier who has a servant at home who's ill and sick. I mean, this isn't even a Jewish person. It's a Roman. He says, Jesus, I've got a servant at home who's sick. I would like for you to heal him. And Jesus basically says, well, let's go. Roman centurion says, I'm not worthy to have you in my house, and you have authority. All you have to do is give the word, just like at creation. All you have to do is give the word, and my servant will be healed. Jesus didn't touch the servant, didn't see the servant, didn't talk to the servant, didn't yell to the servant. Jesus is at a remote location and simply says, it'll be done. That's the God that's for you. You've forgotten? Has the difficulty of life robbed us of what we know? A woman who has an issue of blood and physicians can't heal her. She presses through a crowd and touches the authority of Jesus, the the hem of his garment, just touches it. She believed if she could just get to him. She touches him and Jesus feels power go out from him and says, who touched me? And there's people pressing him. No, no, power went out from him. And this woman is healed. Lepers. Lepers are made whole. Lepers are made right. Lepers who can go and show themselves to the priest and be certified that they're clean, that they can go and join their families and go back and enjoy life and interaction in the community which they live. I mean, a woman dragged before him who was caught in the act of adultery brought before him, and there all there with stones because the law says that they can stone her and kill her. And Jesus, he shows mercy that triumphs over judgment to give her life, to give her chance because he's for her, not against her. He's against how she lives and what she does, but he's for her. I mean, the law said, but Jesus, his mercy triumphed over judgment. What authority, what power. That's that's your master. That's your savior. That's who he is. That's how he deals with humanity. It's how he wants to deal with you and I. Jesus is about to be seized in the Garden of Gethsemane. <laughs> and that night with his disciples, and here comes the group to arrest him. And Peter, he's all, you know, ready to go, pulls a sword, cuts off Malchus's ear. Cuts off one of the guy's ears who's coming to arrest Jesus. I mean, this is about to go sideways real quick. And Jesus... He puts the guy's ear back on. Or I don't know if he put it back on or if he just touched the guy and created a new one and the guy went home with a souvenir. I don't know. All I know is that he was healed. Huh. That's the things that he's done. That's the things that he's still doing. And those are the things that he will continue to do. I mean, this room, it's filled with testimonies of people who've had a miracle in their life or saw a miracle. I don't mean heard about one, but they saw one for someone else. This room has those testimonies. Now take and multiply that around the globe for other churches and groups of believers of different tribes and tongues and nations. Multiply it. 
of things that he's done and what he's like. Now take that and multiply it times generations. God doesn't need a resume. He's God. He's not like submitting a resume to you and say, see, I'm pretty good. Can you come on, you know. But if we're, we're looking basically at his resume. He gave his life. Understand, he didn't go and say, well, I, I might get shot. I might not. Even in going in that, what nobility, what greater love is there than someone who's willing to lay down their life for another? But the fact of the matter is, he gave his life because he could have picked it up. He could have called on 10,000 angels to deliver him, but he gave it. People didn't take it from him. He gave his life. Don't be mistaken. They did not take his life. He gave it. And three days later, he resurrected. Listen, and nobody went and prayed for him. He did it by himself. He died. And the spirit of life, the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of God raised him from the dead. He is the resurrection and the life. He, listen, he turned wa the water to wine. He took something that existed and changed it into something else. I want you to know that he can take whatever it is in your life and he can change it into something else. He's got the power and authority to do it. He's got the motive to do it because he cares for you. I'll tell you what, I wish I, I wish I had the faith of his mother, Mary. You know how this went. They have the wedding. Family could be embarrassed. The caterer, the people that were embarrassed, they, they don't have uh, no more wine to put out. And the reception has, you know, maybe days to go yet. She walks them over to Jesus and says, just do what he tells you. Jesus is saying, Mom, it's not my time yet. Like most mothers, I'm not listening to you. See, Mary, his mother, she had no anxiety. Oh no, what are we going to do? How can I? She's got the. She goes, Well, he'll fix it. That's her faith. He'll fix it. Jesus, son. Lord, come here. Just do whatever he tells you. They're out of wine, by the way, so just tell them what to do. What faith? I don't know. What, what, what's, your, what's your problem? What are you facing? I mean, we're just talking about water and wine here. I mean, it seems so insignificant compared to big life issues. But for the sake of the family and the celebration and lack of embarrassment and all of that, Jesus takes the water and turns it into wine. See, that's your master. Now as he turned water into wine, he walks on water. He walks on it. I mean... I don't blame the disciples. Like, who is this guy? Stands up and rebukes the wind and the storm. How can he do that? Because he was part of creation. He was there. Everything created was through him and by him. That which is created is going to listen to the creator. Occasion where he's speaking to 4,000, another occasion to 5,000, and he feeds them with a sack lunch, one sack lunch, and feeds them. I mean, this is your God. This is the one who you believe in for salvation. 
you look at the book of Acts, and they're going through the gate beautiful, and there's a man who is crippled and begging. And they just say, we don't have any silver or gold, but what we do have, we give to you. And they grab him, and they start walking, and the man's healed. See, what they do have is faith and relationship in Christ. It's what they can give because it's what they have. You look at the Apostle Paul, he's at a house meeting. And they're on the third floor of this house and he's going, talking, late on into the night. I mean, you think I go long. He's going on in late into the night. And there's a young boy who's sitting in one of the windows. And he's tired. And here's the Apostle Paul and this kid's falling asleep. I mean, you and I would think, Apostle Paul here speaking, I ain't falling asleep. I mean, pastor's all right, but you know. He falls asleep, falls out the window from the third floor, hits the ground, breaks his neck, dead. Paul comes and wraps him up and brings him back to life. These are the things that God does. I don't know all your history. And I don't know what has robbed you in the way of circumstance that you don't believe or that I don't believe like I should. I mean, what has gotten so bad in life that we just kind of throw in the towel or we don't believe anymore or I still pray, I still believe in Jesus, but I just don't believe that he can do these impossible things or that he can do a miracle or that he can do a miracle for me. Maybe he can for others. Listen, I want you to hear something. This is one of the things that we can learn from Job. And he had to wrestle through things. Don't get me wrong. But the attack on his life had nothing to do with sin. Some of us, you know, yeah, our sin has opened the door to have consequence and wreak havoc and all this kind of stuff. And I'm not saying Job is without sin, no. But I'm saying he's a righteous dude. And he loses everything in his life that was good. Everything in his life that was good. His health, his wealth, all of that. His wife was still there. Now that's not our situation, of course. Still had friends showing up trying to, you know, convince him he did something wrong, basically. Here's the thing I want you to grasp from Job. Regardless that he lost everything good in his life, and he had to wrestle through, but he chose to believe. I want you to hear this. Your faith, your belief, is by choice. Now, it takes the work of the Holy Spirit, but we can still say no. I mean, listen, there were people who saw these miracles that we talked about today who were there, but they still didn't believe in God. Some did. We choose. It's not, I wait for a feeling. I mean, there's times where you feel a prompting of the Holy Spirit and there's this gift of faith that comes and you just know that you know that you know that God's going to do whatever it is that you have faith for that he's given you. But day in and day out, night after night, week after week, month, lifetime, I want you to hear this. You choose, I choose to believe. Blessed are those who believe in him and have not seen. Blessed are those where their faith outlived their lifetime, Hebrews says, when it honors heroes. They believed. They chose to believe. Now listen. 
We have horrific things that have happened in our life, and some, you know, worse than others, and difficult. And I do not belittle those things. I am not in your shoes. I just know my shoes. We choose to believe. Job chose to believe. He didn't allow circumstance and situation to just, well, I guess this gives me license to just kind of give up and not really believe and trust. I will still believe in my salvation, but I don't believe that, you know, God can still do these things we read about do or what he does for other people here around the globe still today. His worry, anxiety, fear, hurt, whatever it is, robbed you from believing what you know, what you know to be true. I will tell you there should really only be one worry in our life, one real worry, anxiety, or concern, and that is if we find ourselves in a place of unbelief. That should alarm us. In Matthew 13, 58, it says that Jesus did very few miracles among them while he was with them because of their unbelief. I'm telling you that faith and choosing to believe regardless of how we feel or how we deduce circumstances from our perspective as if we got it all figured out and we're right about it because after all I'm the one that's bothered by it and hurt by it therefore I must have the truth about it which isn't true I'm telling you all these things that we go over just these few snapshots of all the scripture. This is your Father. This is Jesus. This is the Spirit that lives within you. And I'm telling you, as hard as life is, don't forget who He is and what He does. Well, He didn't answer my prayers. Or I went up to the altar once or twice. And he didn't say yes or didn't do it my way or I just kind of gave up on it or, you know, frankly, I know God's faithful, but he's really disappointed me. The whole ask, seek, knock, the original language is asking, seeking, knocking, continuing, asking, seeking, knocking, your outcome or my outcome might be a little different than maybe what we hoped for. But don't use that as some kind of license like, well, now I don't have to believe God and I'm worried that this isn't going to happen. I'm going to take it into my own hands. I guess I'm going to put my hands on the steering wheel or I'm going to control this or this has been going good and thank you, God, but uh, I'll take it from here because I don't want your will to come in and interrupt this thing that's really good from our perspective. I am calling you today to remember the Creator, His power, His authority, His compassion, His love for you, His plan for you that is greater than this life. This life, yeah, it's hard. This life, yeah, it's good. This life is this life. And I'm telling you, he knows how to intervene. And he knows how to heal. And he knows how to walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death where we will fear no evil. Even in its presence. Even in circumstances that look like maybe we lost this. We lost this battle. We lost this fight. We... It's not over. It's not over. I want to remind you who God is and how he deals with humanity and some things that he has done that he's still doing and that he will continue to do. And our only worry is if we find ourselves in unbelief because I will tell you that unbelief affects the miracles 
and the blessings that flow in our life and in those around us and when we're together. Now, does he minister to those who don't even know him? Yes! He healed people who weren't following him. And he heals people who were following him. And he didn't heal people who were following him. And I know some people who have been following him and they still died. Listen, our time will come. Whether expiring from this life as we know it, but those who believe in him never die. Whoo! That's our God. There's a hope, there's a future, there's a prayer, there's a plan, there's a purpose that extends beyond these years that we're here. He made it that way. He's shown us. I want you to remember this. (laughs) Jesus died. He went through it. What kind of Savior is that? He showed up, did his slick stuff, and then said, I'm floating away now. No, he gave his life. He died and rose again. Said, I've made a way for you. So whatever comes and goes in this life, don't let it start to produce unbelief in your heart. He's filled with compassion. I've watched, I'm flawed. I'm a, I'm a dad, a human dad, I'm flawed. I've watched my kids go through some heartache stuff. Some things that I could have probably stepped in and saved them from. But I didn't. And it's not because I'm mean or I don't love them, I don't care. There are times we've rescued them, yes. There's times we let them hurt and be disappointed. Because it produced something in them. And with the help of God, when it's done right, they didn't leave our home bitter. They still believe in us. Because we cared for them. And if somebody who's flawed can do that, how much more is our Father in heaven One who's able to do that. Look, not that he needs to provide it, but look at his resume. Listen, stop exalting your past over the power of who he is in your life. There's some things we got to work out from our past. I get it. I get a recent past, ancient history, whatever it is. But listen, you and I need to work through it and come to a place where we no longer, catch this, where we no longer insult His blood. His blood forgave us, empowered us to be transformed and to be free from a past. Whether it was things we've done, things that were done to us, or this life where we've been hurt and disappointed and robbed, we have to work through. And it's not overnight. It's a process with His Spirit. But fight through it and come to the place and choose to believe. They chose to believe, not when they felt like it. They chose to believe. They choose. Choose you this day whom you will serve. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord, Joshua said. Choose you this day. Choose. Don't let life choose for you. Don't let circumstances choose for you. Don't insult his blood that is powerful enough than anything we have faced in this life. It is more powerful as powerful as the hurt is or the frustration or the anger or the worry or whatever it is. His blood is more powerful. And if you and I will discipline our thinking, the place where we choose to feed ourselves the truth, remembering who he is and what he's done, 
Because you know as well as I do, we just dwell on problems and circumstances are bad and I feel this and I feel that and, and it's good to acknowledge it. I'm not saying ignore it, be honest. But you, and that's all you dwell on? That's all you feed yourself? You are talking yourself right into unbelief. I know. Humans do that. I is one. But I've got to say that's enough. I've got to work through it, but I've got to meditate on his word because the person who does that gets perfect peace. That's what he says. And I know what his blood's done. And I know who he is. And regardless of how hard this life is, I know that he cares for me. And I can cast all my cares on him because he cares for me. I can call him and he's present in the times of trouble. And whether I feel him or not, I know when I call upon him, he is here. Telling ourselves the truth. Taking every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Take it as a captive. Doesn't get to roam around free. Those thoughts exalt themselves against the knowledge of who God is, what he's done, what he's doing, what he will do, and, and what he's going to continue to do. Not just around the earth and not just for everybody else, but for you. Stand up, please. I don't understand all the circumstances in this life. And I've come to a place where I don't need closure about every circumstance that's happened to me. God explained it to me. Well, then I'll just kind of figure it out. Well, this happened, this happened. Well, this is a good thing to count on. So I guess that was the purpose. I mean, it's okay. But I, I don't need to have closure over everything that's happened in my life. I need to, rather than have closure, open this up. I'm going I'm to say something because this is... This is something that can happen in us. And, and, and this happened a lot in people in the New Testament. It's why Paul wrote so viciously and diligently about the doctrine of God's grace instead of works. And yet the place of works, but not in salvation. As people took past beliefs and experiences and maybe other spiritual outlooks that they were influenced by or read or were a part of in their pagan or before Christ's life. And they brought some of those things into the church and into their faith. I want to tell you something. It says we're supposed to watch our doctrine closely. Read this, study it. Know him. Don't get caught up believing weird stuff that sounds good to you that you brought from your former life. It is polluting your faith. And you may have had some spiritual experiences. And woo-woo or this and that or, you know, you hear all these different things. And I'm not saying that you didn't have some experience. I'm just telling you that this is supreme. His word is supreme. This is what's supposed to influence me. This is what's supposed to direct me. This is what's supposed to shape me. This is what's supposed to bug my flesh and prosper my spirit. Not some little thing I think and have an opinion about that happens somewhere. This is supreme. This is supreme. Younger people in this room, I want you to hear this. And I know I'm an old man and I'm probably boring to you, but I want you to hear this. This is supreme. And let it reign in your hearts and in your minds before you get too far along in life where you really screw things up like the rest of us. This is supreme, man. This is your food. Eliminate some of your baggage by recognizing this and knowing him and knowing him. And don't insult his blood 
anymore, any of us, me, by walking under condemnation of my past. Did I do some of those things? Yes. Did I say some of those things? Yes. Were some of those things done to me? Yes. Did I deserve some of those things? Yes. Did I deserve all these things? Probably not. Did I do some of these things willfully? Yes. Did I do some of them not willfully? Yeah, maybe a few. His blood says, I'm forgiven and I'm free. Listen, there's a whole thing when he touched a leper. Think about this. I'm closing with this. I know you're tired. And I know, I know it's after 12, but I want you to hear this. This is important. When Jesus touched the leper, now remember, the lepers were unclean. By the law, they were unclean. You can't touch them. You can't be by them. Jesus is not unclean. He's the Son of God. He's clean. Holiness touched filth. And what happened? Jesus touched the leper, and immediately he was clean. Now after that, who was unclean? Jesus. His leprosy's gone. He can go to the priest and get the sign-off certificate. You can rejoin the community. Jesus touched the leper. You are unclean. It's the whole message of the cross. He was clean and pure. We were criminals. He went and died instead of me and you. He died as a criminal. He was filthy. He took the guilt upon him. What happens to us? Oh, we're made righteous. We're healed. Sin isn't counted against us. See, that's the message of him touching a leper. It was the foretelling of a work of the cross. See, that's your master. If you don't feel worthy and like, well, he can't really heal me and I screwed up and, you know, I sinned and uh, I did all that stuff and, you know, I'm just hoping to make it to heaven. And Listen, don't insult his blood. His blood is powerful, powerful enough to forgive us of sin and to make us righteous. Well, I've screwed up since then. Well, look around you. Even Felicia has sinned after she knew Jesus. Hard to believe, but yeah. Now her husband, well, we know. Listen, quit walking under condemnation and embracing the filth. Don't insult his blood. Well, I got to keep suffering with this just because, you know, I did that and I deserve it and I'll just be humble and <laughs> be humble enough to put your arrogance and selfishness aside and pick up the righteousness of Jesus Christ that he has given to you to free you from your past and the things, the things in your mind that have robbed you of faith. Listen, we got Doc Nichols coming in next Sunday. We're going to pray with people. You're going to be prayed for if you want somebody to pray with you. You come here ready. No condemnation for me. I screwed up. Jesus paid, and I'm, I'm, he's helping me live different. It doesn't mean we just stay the same. Nuh-uh. And we're not worthy to be healed, but he made it available. So I want it, and I want him. And if you do all these things, God, you've done all these things, You did it for people like me. Well, I want you to do these things for me. I want to see it. I want to taste it. I need it and I know it. And I will be a messenger of good profession. See, we don't have real faith in here. This comes out of our mouth. That's where evil comes from. Jesus talked about it. It comes out. Listen, when we have faith in here, that's what comes out of our mouth. Not just, oh, I'll make nice talk. No, no. It's what comes out of our mouth. And when we speak God's word in faith and encouragement and testimony, what do you think that produces? Faith. 
Faith. Faith. When, when he visits this place, when Jesus visits, when the Holy Spirit visits this place, I want him to find faith here. Do I want him to find holiness? Yeah, I want him to find health. But I want him to find faith. Because from that faith, he could transform our life. We can get more holy. I mean, we're made holy in him, but it's also a process. Thanks for joining us on the LifeCast. It is a ministry of New Life Assembly of God in Sparta, Wisconsin. If you are ever in the area, we would enjoy the opportunity of meeting you. Until then, remember, God is for you, not against you.